because once you get into that, you know, I won't call it the limelight, but definitely once you get into people's attention, you know, it does spread like wildfire and the word does spread. So I feel even if uh, UX, you know, UX writers listening to the podcast, whatever it might be, if you're someone who wants to, you know, start your own content on say LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever it might be, you need to make sure that you're not focused on what kind of audience you want to approach. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub, an online education platform for UX writers. So basically, we have a newsletter, we have the podcast Writers in Tech, we have the blog, we have a free course on our website, check it out, uxwritinghub.com. And today we have a really special guest. His name is Punit Chawla. And the first time I've heard about Punit is from YouTube. So basically, there is a really interesting design YouTube channel that was created by Punit. And I'm very excited to meet with him today. Punit, how are you? Thanks, man. Thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm really good. So uh, we just started chatting before, you know, we did the recording, but 80,000 followers on YouTube and like very successful design tutorials. And they start talking with me about what he's going to do with his business. So basically after, you know, doing all the tutorials, I mean, I still do it, but I felt, you know, this is, this can go to the next level. So I basically started my own training bootcamp here in India. And we basically train people and, you know, get them placed in the best of companies, hopefully. And basically that is an initiative I did for, you know, it's again, not only just a business, it was also closer to my heart because I had a good connection with my tutorials as well. So it's something that, you know, comes from within, I feel I always wanted to teach and other people are teaching with me. So that's the endeavor we're doing here. And hopefully it will keep on being as successful as, uh, say, your exciting hub or whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it will be. That's amazing. And okay, so let's get from the very start. So how did you start your uh, YouTube tutorial channel? So basically, you know, I was very fond of Adobe XD to begin with when, you know, the mm -hmm. whole Adobe XD really came into the limelight initially. And I was Did very fond using of it when it was like on uh, beta, like on 2017. Oh, much before beta. We were talking about alpha. We were talking about the, really? the yeah, yeah, the pro or, uh, project Falcon or something like that. They called it. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was a Photoshop. Was like, I was using Photoshop. So for me, me it was <laughs> a big deal to have like a, just a UI design software without all the other bells and whistles. And I fell in love with auto animate. Like when they brought that feature, I was like, I have to, you know, share this with people. So I, my first video was an auto animate video introducing auto animate and it got like four, 5,000 views maybe in a day or two. And I saw, saw that, you know, kind of reach. And I thought, you know, maybe this is something I can do it, you know, on a regular basis. So I started making Adobe XD tutorials primarily and we moved from there and it kept on growing. I now do Figma, other things as well, but everything just started from the whole Adobe XD wave, I would say, to be honest. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I remember 
when uh, Figma wasn't as big as it uh, is right now. So the primary UI design tool was Sketch. And sure, Sketch yeah. was a problematic tool because you had to have Apple computer in order yes. to work with it. So it, the privilege to design UI was only for people that have Apple computers. Plus $99 to spare for a design software. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And it was really, really expensive it wasn't a tool for everyone yeah and you know then we had adobe xd which made yep. the life uh, nicer for us designers and to be honest it's kind of broke the market because they saw oh, yes. m- many companies changing their pricing model to free after adobe xd like uh, back then it was in vision studio but figma i think was always free but but the standard was being free and not being not pay like we had with photoshop and sketch so that was Definitely. a cool tool to, to start. It's funny you bring up Invision Studio because when I first saw like that trailer for Invision Studio, I was like, Everyone. Oh, I was like, yeah. this is going to be the next big thing. I, Everyone I, said I, it. But when I started using it, mm, I yeah. had, you know, mixed feelings about it, I feel. Well, uh, the story is that they did that really amazing video, raised $100 million. And then, you know, they had a waiting list and it was like January 2017, we're coming out. And then it was out only in like April, I believe, or uh, May. And that was like, uh, it wasn't what they promised in that video. It's like a Kickstarter campaign. You know, you give them money and after six years, they say this is the product. Right. It's, we can say it, I guess, about every VC and startup company in a way. <laughs> Amazing. So you started with the Adobe tutorials, then you moved to Figma. Do you work on a daily basis as a, as a designer or are you primarily working on your YouTube channel and, and the content creator as, mm. at the moment? You know, I use Figma on a daily basis, I would say, but not for the purpose it's intended for, for sure. I use it for, you know, managing my teams when it comes to, say, the the school or doing you know content creation i do my thumbnail creation and stuff like that in figma uh-huh. but i think figma now is like a universal tool use it for whatever you want and i you know i still try to keep in touch with like ui and ux i you know yeah. i don't want to lose touch with that getting into entrepreneurship whatever it might be i want to keep that as a center so i still you know do a little bit of ui ux here and there you know uh, people get mm-hmm. excited uh, that, you know, I'm doing it. So I'm like, okay, for the people, I can do it, I guess. Amazing. And the so we have many people in our audience that work closely with designers. They're UX writers, as you know. And also something that is really great for every UX person, in my opinion, is to work on your personal brand as a content creator, you know, working on some content strategy, building some kind of a strategy around the niche and scale from there. So as a content creator, what would be a tip, you know, for UX people to, you know, to stand out above all of the noises out there and making sure that people will reach out to them and hire them eventually? I'm sure that many people reach out to you and ask you, hey, can you do this design project for me? And you're probably standing in line next to your office, next to your virtual office, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I do get like now because of the YouTube and everything popping off, uh, the LinkedIn popping off, you know, I do get a lot of emails. I do get Behance messages, which is strange, you know, asking me whether they, I can join their team or, you know, give them guidance, this, that, even though I've never been like a very senior designer 
ever in, in any company. I've I've been in, you know, associate manager roles and stuff like that, but I've never been like, you know, that crazy of a designer. So it's always a blessing to still get those opportunities, but I generally have to say no to 90% of the of them because Again, I'm not running a studio as of now, so I can't promise them anything. I might do some projects here or there just because, you know, there might be people who I admire or, um, you know, just in general, I have the capacity to hire people and work with them uh, on those projects. Now, when it comes to, you know, giving people, you know, tips on, you know, how to start their own content strategy, you know, making their own content strategy and getting into you know, people's in front of people's eyes, basically, you want more people to look at you because even word of mouth is going to be a huge thing. You know, if somebody recommends you, I do get like messages, random messages on WhatsApp popping up, you know, I got your number from this person. So I think word of mouth is still one of the greatest tools, in my opinion, to get mm -hmm. the word out. So I feel even if you make say you're a UX writer or a content writer for a living, if you want more clients or whatever it might be, even if you target people who are not going to be your clients, there is still a higher chance that the, the people who want to be your clients will be able to view your content. Because once you get into that, you know, I won't call it the limelight, but definitely once you get into people's attention, you know, it does spread like wildfire. And the word does spread. So I feel even if uh, UX, you know, UX writers listening to the podcast, whatever it might be, if you're someone who wants to, you know, start your own content on say LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever it might be, you need to make sure that you're not focused on what kind of audience you want to approach. I feel a lot of people, you know, overthink about this. They think, oh, if we're getting audience who's not going to buy anything from us, who's not going to hire us, then what's the point? You know, I see, mm -hmm. I, I do notice some people doing that. I feel just create value for anybody. It could be junior UX writers or people getting into the field because that's where the real, you know, volume of people is, you know, people just mm -hmm. swarming to UX design, UX writing, content writing, and you can really focus on those communities. And just like I had success on YouTube, you could have success on LinkedIn, Instagram. So I think people generally, I, either they're sticking to their overthinking process of saying, this might not work because it's not getting me the clients I want right now. Or it could be because they're stuck to one platform. You know, if you're a content writer, you're writing content on, say, a platform like Medium. Okay, you're writing articles about things and you want to expand from there. Go ahead, expand. Do a YouTube video on how to write the best medium articles or getting more views on medium or whatever it might be. It's all about, you know, creating value at the end. You know, value proposition is something even in business, you look at value proposition. You know, what, you created a free course. Now that free course is going to get you audiences for all your other initiatives, you know, potential clients, potential people who are going to buy your maybe paid courses in the future, things like that. So it's all about, you know, creating value in the free space can also help you get value in the, you know, paid space or the where you're actually targeting. So I think even if you create simple, basic value for beginners, it can then slowly translate into something bigger where you can sell stuff or get clients. 
Right. You know, at the end of the day, this is uh, marketing 101, what we're doing here, you know, it's, yeah. uh, and, and even if your own personal brand as a UX writer or UX designer, you need to do marketing for yourself. So sure. content strategy, content creation is marketing, is putting your stuff in front of eyeballs. This is catching the volume. Then, you know, putting them into the marketing funnel is, you know, when you take a free course, you know that you're one step ahead in that funnel, yeah. just like people taking your, I don't know, there is a Facebook group or there is, the, you know, the paid uh, stuff that you promote, the paid education. And, you know, what I want to say is that people like should treat their own personal brand as a marketing funnel. And if you're a content creator yeah. on Medium or YouTube or LinkedIn or Reddit or whatever, or Twitter or Discord, whatever. Remember that this is marketing. And when you do marketing, yeah. you can't overthink. You just need to be consistent and make sure that yeah. there is, you know, exactly. that you're also treating your audience well once you have an audience and you you don't uh, miss a day. I know that you do every Monday and Thursday. And that's yep. like my next, the next question. Like I have, you know, a video paralysis. I can't create videos. This is something I have in my brain. I'm stuck. I'm stuck and I'm sure. And people yeah. like you would say, hey, man, it's not that complicated, you know? And I would say, listen, this is really complicated for me. It's hard. I can't be consistent about it because yeah. I don't think it's interesting. I'm not confident in front of the camera. I don't think people would care. I think I look stupid. I think I not smart enough you know yeah. and in audio i feel way better for some reason mm -hmm. but video i have the paralysis and also i have the after paralysis which is oh i made the video but now i need to edit it and upload it and i don't have a process in place and this is so complicated so i'm just never going to do it and then like fears i'm just stuck and not doing it so like punit i need your advice here like for <laughs> video creators that want to succeed in you know, their UX content. What do you think they should do? I'll be very honest with you. I was, I never was into like video editing or anything. I haven't gotten, I was using iMovies on my laptop for like for the past almost close to two years of YouTube, which is 99% of my YouTube career. I've just started using DaVinci Resolve, which is a little more complex, but it's, you know, it has to be done because people now expect that. But I think right. the, at the beginning, I feel I've seen people using their phones. Like in India, what happens is there's a huge population. So there's a guy called BBK Wines. And I'm sure he's even popular in the Middle East. If you ask somebody, somebody will say, yeah, we've seen his content. So he's he started making videos with a very, very cheap Android phone, like five to six years ago. Now he's the top three YouTubers in India and he's in Bollywood now, basically. Wow. So that's the thing, man. Like when you I don't begin, have an here. <laughs> when you begin, you just need to like say, I don't care about the camera quality. It could just be my phone. And I'm sure a lot of people even in Israel or listening from anywhere do have a decent camera phone, which they can I shoot on. I have a I have a camera. I have a camera. And you I, have everything, I, dude. I, I think that is why you're you're worrying so much because you know you have all the equipment and everything, and, yeah. and your video looks too good, so you have to look good as well. <laughs> and my I, video, I had no video yeah. to begin with when I was beginning my YouTube. I, there was, if you see my initial tutorials, I've never shown my face. It's all mm -hmm. a. It was a GoPro gifted to me by a relative, and that GoPro was my mic, basically. 
So I didn't even have like a base. I couldn't even, I I could buy a mic, but I didn't find the, you know, need for it. So it was all about creating value, man. If you have something valuable, even if you don't want to show your face, just have like a little cartoon or something, like a toy face or something. And just put content, I guess. Your voice is good enough, man. Like, I don't think you have any trouble doing it. So. <laughs> All right. So, okay. I'm inspired. I'm going to to do stuffing about it. Yeah. You just need to like forget the big cameras, man. Just do it with your phone. Just do made videos, whatever you like. <laughs> Very cool. And all right. So, okay. So what uh, tools do you think would be like you said something about that you manage your uh, operation uh, tutorials using Figma. And I found that very interesting. What would be the best way to work in Figma in that way that is not specifically traditional? Like I, I could resonate with that because first of all, I'm using Miro to do some project management, but I use Figma to do all of the thumbnails and, and graphics for the blog and the podcast and everything. So gotcha. Figma is not a UI design tool anymore, I guess. But I'm curious yeah. about your specific process of you know managing your team using Figma. So Figma, basically, I have, of course, everything that I need to run my business in because, you know, everything is related to design and tech in some way. You know, it could be building the website. I designed the website first in Figma, then start doing it in Webflow once I have like a final design. So that's cool. Webflow allows me to, you know, utilize elements similar to what I could create in Figma and it's no code. So I don't even need to worry about the code there. Uh, Figma is really good because I feel there are plugins forever. That's the best part. I feel Figma, if you tear it down apart from all the other features, it's a very basic tool. It's where the, you know, the plugins and the the companion tools come in place. I use a bunch of plugins for a bunch of things. So there is for like content and UX writers, there's something which is, I can't name it, but there are certain plugins, AI tools that create content for you. So if you're ever in a haste to say, create content for your designs or whatever, there are AI tools, which will, you just put in your requirements and they'll write the content for you and put it what? inside it. Yep. Yep, that's this it. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. There is, I'll, you know what? I'm going to share the name of it. I think I have it in my Google. This is what I like about you, man. I'm like, every time I open your YouTube channel, there is something new that I learned, like a new tool, a new plugin, a new free stuff, a lot of like free, you know, tools that save me a lot of money. So, you know, Dude, man, that's, I, really appreciate I think I'm work. passionate about it, man. Like I... Whatever I create on YouTube, it's all about, you know, something I'm excited of. If something doesn't excite me, I, I don't even do paid sponsorships unless the tool is exciting or cool. So I think cool. it's all about, you know, creating and I'm glad that you like it, man. The tool, I'm trying to find it in my Google Keep. It's getting messy, man. There's so many <laughs> notes now. Oh, good, man. No, uh, no but, pressure. you know, I can later on, maybe you can link it in your podcast or whatever. I'll share the link later. But it's a great tool. It has its own website and everything, but it has a dedicated plugin. So all these tools help you power up your process. I use like for illustrations and stuff. I don't need to worry about going to a website or something. I have Blush. So I have the, oh, you know, nice. uh, Pablo, was, yeah, Pablo was very kind to send me. He sent me an email saying, hey, Puneet, love your content. Here's a paid subscription for you. So I'm like, thanks, what? man. Yeah, man, that was like a, a big deal for me because I do look up to him. So um, Me too. 
hopefully a video with him coming soon i'm still in chats with him for that <laughs> so uh, let's see i know that he's very busy with his nft oh yeah yeah anyway yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that's the power of plugins you'll find a plugin for everything there are plugins that help you convert your designs into websites in one click you know so whatever need you have figma got a plugin for you that's all i can you know say so except from the content creation plugin what other pl- figma plugins can you recommend us today that you like you find very useful okay so let me open my figma for this because i have a favorite list for sure okay so first of all Apart from plugins, I love community because say, if you want to create a pitch deck for your business, you know, yeah. there's literally templates in community, which you can grab and go. I think that's really cool about the community in general. If you're a content writer, you'll find templates for, I don't know, anything. <laughs> so they have things for everything. When it comes to plugins, the ones which I use most often and are very helpful is something called first of all is feather icons if you ever want to use icons for your ui design in in that case it's a quick one there for for ux designers i think things like automator is really cool now this is a very special tool automator allows you to automate processes so you can literally create like custom shortcuts in figma more or less it's not exactly what it sounds like you need to of course access the plugins with by saying command p or control p on your keyboard you know you get that search there you can just search for that shortcut and you can create your own shortcuts in figma so if you want to align things to a specific corner or whatever you just need to access that shortcut and it'll do it for you so you can you create your own custom shortcuts That's one good. is called automator and then you have things like you know you have things like anima anima is really cool because oh, yeah, yeah. they just raised uh, 10 million dollars today yep oh, oh did did they it's an israeli yeah. company i know yeah. their uh, i i had the chance to meet with meet in the telephone uh, their founder few oh, years ago so they cool. working on it for like five years and uh, it started as a sketch plugin and now you know why combinator in 2018 i believe and Today, they announced around a raise of $10 million. Wow. That's a lot of money for like a, a web-based tool. That's really cool. I think... Yeah, you know, the no-code app is, is a real yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I did sponsorships with them like um, when they were on the rise. At that time, they needed, I think, the sponsorship to, you know, kind of get more people. Interested. And some of my top videos are anima videos. So... It's nice. yeah, like 100,000, 200,000 views. So I think it's, wow. Anima is a great tool. In fact, my latest video on Monday was using Anima in Figma. So, you know, we created using Spline and Anima together. Amazing, man. So it's, I think it's really cool. You know, these plugins enable you to do things you couldn't do in a tool like Figma, you know. And yes, apart I from these also, that. there's a bunch, man. There's so... They have, you know, notepad plugins. If you're a creator, content creator, you can create notepads inside there. If you're not using something like FigJam, that's cool. What's that? Apart from the crazy name they've given it, it's like a AI-based tool for creating cool graphics for anything. So if you're a content creator or you're even a writer, you want cool graphics for, say, a thumbnail or whatever, they will create cool custom graphics for... With shapes and patterns and stuff like that, you give them whatever you want, the color, the type, the, the blend mode, the 
uh, randomizer, how random do you want the design to be? And they create these, you know, thumbnails for you. And they have these shapes and cool stuff that they use. And it's really, oh, really interesting. I'm working on it right now. It's like yeah. an artwork generator. So you can have like, okay, I want this color, this vector. I want yeah. uh, a circle. Yeah. And it's so work sick, man. <laughs> yeah. This is so cool. I'm mind blown right now. Yeah, man. These things really help you do a lot of stuff. And I've used Ruri Ruri before for like thumbnails too. So it gets your job easier too. Really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> do you recommend the Fig Jam, by the way? Uh, Fig Jam is cool for like, I've used Fig Jam for like, why is this not working? Just brainstorming stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. it's like a mirror in a way. Yeah. Only inside yeah, I would, of Figma. Yeah, I would say it's basically mirror. It's what we did in mirror. But the interesting thing about uh, Figma is that they took, you know, what we did with Envision and put it inside of Figma. They took what we did with Zeppelin and put it inside of Figma. They took what we did with all of those auto animation yeah. tools like Proto.io, Framer. Yep. And, you know, those get you a bit more complex prototypes, right? But they, there's a, they brought there the are plugins stuff. for that also. Now you can do right. complex stuff there as well. Exactly. And so, and also the design. So the sketch and the Adobe XD thing and everything, and they brought it into Figma. So also taking the, the capabilities of Miro and bringing it into Figma, it's smart because then it's like the, you know, the all-in-one all in one. Yeah. tool for, for a product team. Yeah. It's even, for even everyone. I haven't found... Even though I, have, I haven't found the right uh, flow for uh, writers to use Figma, I, maybe it's because I don't have enough experience with Figma yet, like even though I'm using it for years now, but I feel like I still prefer to manage my copy and stuff like that in, you know, editors or like uh, yeah. Airtable even or yeah. Notion, where it's like uh, easier for me to manage my copy. Mm. It mm. might be because, you know, when you had those people that used Photoshop even 10 years after Figma was out, or even like five years of Figma was out, but then maybe I'm one of those that's kind of don't, lack of advance for now, but I really prefer to manage my copy files outside of Figma, and I, I wonder when it's going to be changed as well. I don't know, man. I think for, like, you can make things in anything. I feel, again, I, I say this to everyone is, you should be so flexible that if someone asks you to use Figma, you can use Figma. If someone yeah. asks you to use XD or even your Airtable or whatever it might be, just explore everything so that even if somebody does ask you to use a certain particular tool for a task or project, you know about it earlier. All right. Funit, really cool. We have a, an exercise here with our guests that by the end of every episode, we're kind of thinking about the name of the episode together because, you know, I'm interviewing <laughs> the most talented writers and designers in the world. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting exercise in, in writing. So how do you think we should name this episode, Punit? Hmm. Oh, interesting question, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's got me off one. guard there. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, I know. I apologize for that. I had to prepare you to that. I'll uh, remind you. So basically... Uh, magic of Figma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that the magic of Figma, but I don't think it's the magic of Figma, but it's more of like like the things you wouldn't believe you can do with Figma, something like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I feel like I learned about stuff that I really didn't knew that is, I can do in Figma. I, all of, 
all I want to do right now is to go to Figma and play with the new plugins that you just talked uh, yeah, about. Yeah, some, something know? around that, I think, or something which, you know, even UX writers and people like that would, because that's your audience. I feel, you know, and do, creating a title for them would be a little better. You know, I think, yeah, so something around that, you know, how Figma can enable UX yeah. writers to do more and um, yeah, 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 yeah. unlocking, unlocking yeah, yeah. the... Unlocking the potential of UX writing with Figma or something like that. That's good. That's good. I love also the fact that we also talked about like content creation and yeah. being consistent with your even how to create videos. So, you know, I guess we'll figure it out. But I think the gist was like about uh, using Figma in a better way. So let's stick with it. Yep. Yep. Uh, Puneet, it was so awesome to meet with you in person. I waited for a long time for this conversation. Same here, man. And, uh, Same here. I'm always up for, you know, like I love these podcast formats, man. They're uh, so uh, engaging, I would say. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, we're friends now. And I love to stay in touch and uh, learn from you and keep learning from you in person and also in your YouTube channel. Of course, man. I'll, I'd love to have a chat with you backstage for sure, man. Let's talk stuff. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. All right. Have a great day. And you too, uh, man. Okay. And thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Writers in Tech that brought you by the UX Writing Hub. Uh, check our website, uxwritinghub.com. There's a lot of great resources over there for anyone that wants to get into the field. We talked a lot today about how to make it accessible for people to get into tech, whether if it's through design like Punit is doing or if it's through uh, writing like what we are doing. So that's our goal. That's our mission to make it more accessible for people to learn about this new and exciting field. And I want to encourage you to go to our website and check out all of the free resources we have there. And uh, see you next time. That's about it for now. Bye.